0: Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross, and it is time for a preview of Roland Garros 2022. Second major of the year is here. It's been a fun clay court season, and it all culminates in this. Uh, sorry to keep you guys waiting on this. I got very sick as basically around the time the draw came out. Feeling a lot better now, thankfully, but uh, that is why I was not up for uh, for making a video um I was in bed most of yesterday uh so gonna get into it quarter by quarter as always if you're new to the channel, dark horse upset alert, early popcorn matchups and quarterfinal predictions coming your way but first I want to talk about the draw as a whole it's as lopsided as it possibly is could have been and you know we knew that there might be some interesting wrinkles in the draw as a result of Nadal not being a top 4 seed and Alcaraz not being a top 4 seed obviously both of them are top 4 contenders top 4 players coming into this tournament but they're not top 4 seeds so you know you knew that there there might be some some weird stuff happening with the draw it is basically as lopsided as it possibly could have been because not only do you have Djokovic and Nadal in the same quarter, you also have Zverev in the top half uh, with Alcaraz, which means, based on the French Open Power Rankings, four out of the top five are in the same half. The only top five player in the French Open Power Rankings that is in the bottom half, is Stefano Tsitsipas. And that has made this tournament much tougher to predict. Much tougher. The draw has has evened things up a little bit. Because among the contenders, the Tier 1 contenders, I think that Tsitsipas is the player who, at least for me, I went in, and I'm, I'm not going to give anything away here as far as who I'm picking, saving that for the end. Uh, but but Siti Pass comes in, and he's the player who I I would have told you before the draw came out. I can't really see myself picking him. Can't can't really see it. Although I think he's a contender. Well, his draw increases his chances tremendously, and now there's probably no player who you're more who you feel better about making the final outside of Stefano Tsitsipas. Now, Carlos Alcaraz, then, you know, he kind of has the normal draw where you have a tough quarterfinal, uh, a tough projected quarterfinal in Zverev, and then a very tough semifinal, which is normal um, in Zverev. If it's you know at going by the projections and Djokovic, so that's kind of normal, and and Alcaraz is kind of the player who, after Tsitsipas, I would say I I would consider picking. But the players who I came in before the draw thinking I'm most likely to pick is Nadal and Djokovic. Well, they have the toughest draws. So you see the the picture that's being painted here are, I guess, best contenders, worst draws. Worst contenders, best draws. In a way, those things kind of even the playing field. With that being said, overall... uh, the French Open has been an event where the best players have rarely disappointed. You look at last year, the the top four seeds making the semifinals in Zverev, Titi, Pas, Djokovic, and Nadal. You look at the year before that, and it's it's three out of the top four seeds with Diego Schwartzman, hardly a surprise given how well he played in Rome, uh, just the week prior or maybe two weeks prior. And then the year before that, it was the top four seeds once again. It was Federer, Nadal, uh, Djokovic team. So basically, you're not getting a lot of surprises here. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, the preparation is so thorough uh, for Roland Garros. You have such a nice buildup where uh, I think you don't have that kind of... First of all, you don't have the, the bodies breaking down like you do at the U.S. Open. You don't have the the grass wild card that that players are kind of less used to it uh you don't have the first major of the year factor at the australian open where there's just uh, a lot feels very kind of new and there's not a lot of sample size really for anything but i think even more important is that it's hard to pull it i think it's harder to pull off an upset On a slower surface, I think you get less serve variance. You get less tie breaks. The margins are a little bit larger because there's more breaks of serve, and the cream kind of rises to the top. Think about like if you are a, if you're a player with a big game, and and you're trying to beat a player better than you. Like let's say you have a big serve, you have a big game. And, and you're trying to beat a player better than you, when you're playing on a fast surface and you can have a great serving day and you, you can redline and, and hit a couple of big winners in, in big moments, I just think that it gives you a much better chance to pull off a, a surprising result and beat someone who's better than you. Where on clay... You're playing longer rallies. Your serve is is not doing as much damage. So the the sample size in terms of just having to win rally after rally after rally, it's really hard to do that if you are the inferior player. So not a lot of upsets at all recently at the French. I think that'll continue. With that, let's move on to Novak Djokovic's quarter. Djokovic with Nadal, Schwartzman, F.A.A. Opelka, Dimitrov, Botik van de Zanskul, and Jensen Brooksby. This quarter stacked. It's not just Djokovic and Nadal. I think a lot of the more intriguing seeds in this tournament are uh, are in this quarter. Uh, A player in Diego Schwartzman, who, you know, I haven't loved his consistency over the course of the last year, year and a half, but look, best of five on clay. He he never gets tired, just doesn't. He seems to play well here, even when his results in the lead-ups, certainly this was the case last year, aren't good. Diego is, is just one of those players. He you, you can't really count him out. There's always a chance that he's someone who can find himself in, uh, in the quarters or even the semis at Roland Garros. Um, FAA has found something recently. Uh, he was really off the grid throughout March and a lot of April. But if, if he plays like he did in Rome you have a, a really, really tough player in FAA, who's just controlling play with his forehand and has uh has reduced the errors again and is is looking really strong. Opelka has has his own thing, but but he's a bit of a wild card. At his best, he is uh he's really difficult to beat and I I think with the high bounce, the effectiveness of his kick serve, this can be a tournament that he does play really well at. Played well in Geneva last week. Um, this is John Isner's best major by win percentage, by the way. Just a fun fact. So uh, the, there's not—that type of player can do well at Roland Garros. Grigor Dimitrov has had a pretty solid clay court season. Um, he's lost to Stefano Sitsipas at just about every single tournament. So um, it's almost hard to gauge exactly how good he is, but he has uh, put together some results. I really like Botik von de Zanschko. Um, And the way he's playing, I've sung his praises throughout the clay court season, and I think highly of him. Um, The only seed who I don't love in here is Jensen Brooksby. So I'm just painting a picture. This is a quarter that is phenomenal, that is absolutely excellent. And what you are going to see as a result of this quarter being so good is there are a lot of other quarters that I look at, and there's not a lot that I get really excited about. My uh, dark horse here is Jaume Munar and Daniel Altmaier. They actually play in the first round, and I pick Munar in that match. So, so Munar, I would say, is kind of more my official dark horse. But I did want to include Altmaier because if Altmaier happens to win, uh, he's also a really good clay court player with a lot of power, a lot of strength, and excellent one-handed backhand. But uh, Munar is my dark horse with the, the defense that he can bring to the table, covers the court just as well as, uh, as anyone uh, does not get tired. Um, he's beefed up his serve as of late. He's able to get hit a lot of forehands on the clay. Uh, his results are pretty solid in 2022, and uh, he's also in a part of the draw that does, I think, offer him some opportunity. Um, Diego Schwartzman potentially in the second round. I mean, I mentioned Schwartzman as a as someone who's always dangerous at Roland Garros. He's also someone. Who has been vulnerable at times? Um, who hasn't always been very consistent? He's going to need to be very sharp against Munar. There's no doubt about it. Uh, then Grigor Dimitrov potentially in the third round. So uh, you know he he's not he's he's not with Djokovic. He's not with Nadal. That's kind of what matters as far as the draw is concerned. Upsettler is Jensen Brooksby. I just think that his offense really suffers on clay taking into account the fact that his ground stroke speeds are kind of low. Taking into the uh, the fact that his ground strokes are flat, that he relies on kind of redirecting the ball, uh, that he that his serve is more is a, a slice serve, and that he doesn't bring a lot of heat on the serve and doesn't hit much of a kick. You know, he's just he, he's much better on a slick surface where. He's able to, to generate offense with his redirect with, with his ability to redirect the ball uh, with his back end down the line, um, especially, and uh, his slice serve being a little bit more effective. I just think he suffers offensively. Early popcorn is Mute and Vavrinka Should be a great atmosphere, a great contrast of styles, Vavrinka being a power baseline or Moutet being, being um, uh, a counter puncher. Uh, Mute is French. The environment should be good. The crowd should be great. And I think it should be competitive. I think it's a match that could go either way. So uh, I think that one just could be a good watch. Not that either player is much of a contender. I still think that it's a match that should be quite enjoyable to, uh, to take in. Let's get to the quarterfinal prediction now. It is Novak Djokovic over Rafael Nadal you have the foot question first and foremost you know look with Novak you have a guy who we know he's healthy we know his body's in good shape we know that it's not going to be a problem for him keeping up 100% physical intensity for however long it takes and for Nadal we don't know that that obviously factors in here that's number one however There have been occasions where there have been questions about Nadal's health, and he has put together phenomenal runs regardless, most recently the first major of the year at the Australian Open. There are a couple of more factors here. I think it helps Novak to play Nadal before the final. The two times Djokovic has beaten Nadal, it has been before the final in 2015, and A year ago. The time he got closest to beating Nadal. A third time. 2013. Went five sets. Pre-final. I think Nadal fans will agree with me. On this one. There's something different about Rafa. On the second Sunday in Chaturier. It's just a different animal. I think when the finish line is that near. And uh, the intensity that he brings. And the confidence he brings to those matches. I just think you get a different. A different animal. So I, I do think that it gives Djokovic a better chance that he plays Nadal before the final. Um and it it gives me pause with Nadal that like I don't think that we've seen him play a level of tennis that would be good enough to beat Djokovic with how well Novak played in Rome um since really pre Indian Wells and Acapulco. You know he he scrapped his way to uh, to the final at, at Indian Wells, which I'm I'm not as concerned about whatever that was here. You throw that out the window, but obviously, um, in in Madrid, being unable to to beat Carlos Alcaraz and and losing that match, um, in a much more straightforward way than than Djokovic lost the very next day to Alcaraz, uh, Djokovic putting together a better showing against Carlos. But then, of course, going out to Shapovalov with the foot injury and, you know, even some of the matches that we saw uh, prior from from Nadal, um, prior to the Shapovalov match. You know, if you look at, let's say, the Gafan match in Madrid, for example. So, Nadal needs to... Needs to flip a switch here, which can happen. And I don't count him out at all here. Not even a little bit. But I got to go with Djokovic, given um, given what we've seen as of late. Let's go to Zverev's quarter. Seeds are Zverev, Alcaraz, Nori, Fritz, Hachinov, Isner, Fekina. And Korda. I'm not going to really give like the rundown seed by seed like I did uh, for the top quarter, but I think that there are a lot of players here that are consistent guys. You know, Nori and Hatchinov, especially. Uh, Nori's had best of five issues, Hatchinov's been very consistent. Uh, but, you know, who's going to be really dangerous against Verev and Alcaraz? I mean, Nori kind of lacks wins against top 10 players as good as he's been, beating the field with consistency. He's not someone who's really who's really been a threat to the, the very, very best in the world. Or I don't know if not saying he's not been a threat, but he's not been someone who's been able to, I guess, beat the very, very best in the world. Uh, Fritz is coming off injury and you know you, you can't be optimistic about his chances on clay coming back from injury. Uh Hatchinov, you know, very similar to Nori, he he just doesn't pull off big wins very often. Uh Isner doesn't have a lot of results in in 2022. And uh, then you have uh Davidovich Fikina, and uh and Korda. I'm not I'm not too high on either of them at all. So um you know, it's not it's not a terrible quarter But it's also not a quarter where I'm feeling like there's anyone particularly threatening against Zverev and Alcaraz. My dark horses are Sebastian Baez and Hugo Delian. Uh, Baez could face Zverev in round two. I think we just saw that in Rome and Zverev. Uh, won the first set very tight and competitive with a uh, close tie-break. And then Zverev ran away with the second set. But Baez is someone who uh, moves extremely well, has a clay court title in the lead-up, and uh, has a great forehand that he that he controls play with quite nicely. Um, I think highly of him as a player, so I put him as a dark horse. But I did want to include someone who has a better draw, who might be someone who's in a better position to take advantage of uh, because, you know, Baez would have to go through Zverev, which is a very tall task. Uh, and and I, I went with Hugo Delian, who... He isn't in the Fritz Isner section of this quarter, which is a quarter, like... that's That might be the worst little section in this entire draw. Uh, I, I mentioned the... I mentioned the uncertainty and, I guess, the... hesitation with... Isner and, and Fritz, not too high on either of them, but then the unseeded players, just none of them very convincing. With Quentin Haley's, Tara Daniel, Greg Gregoire Barrer, uh, Michael Moe, uh, a couple of qualifiers in there, who I I don't have off the top. Um, yeah, I mean who who the, who the heck knows who comes out of there? But uh, Delian is in the uh, the Nori section. Uh, Dominic team in the first round, Team still looking for his first win of 2022. That's a match to watch. There's no doubt about it. And then Hachinov and then Nori. So there's some opportunity there. And Delian is someone with an excellent forehand. He's a grinder, fights really hard. Game doesn't translate to other surfaces, but he's good on clay with a uh, high RPM heavy forehand that he uses to control play. With good movement, strong endurance, and uh, he—he's that classic kind of clay quarter who makes round three, round four at Roland Garros as an unseeded player. Doesn't doesn't have the firepower, doesn't have the juice to to go much further than the fourth round, even in the best possible case scenario, but, but I still think he's a dark horse. Uh, my upsettler is Davidovich Fakina, And the reason for that is I look at the body of work and he just has one tournament this year. That's it. It's, it's literally just Monte Carlo hasn't won back to back matches, um, since Monte Carlo, he's 12 and 13 on the year despite the run in, in Monte Carlo and picking up, what is it, uh, five consecutive victories um, in Monte Carlo. And I just think you have to look at the the total picture there. I would just caution against really viewing him as a as a, a major contender, despite the fact he is good at at Roland Garros. He did make round four last year. He is someone who uh, holds up in best of five, I believe. And uh, clay gives him the best chance to win. And I, I'm a fan of his. I, I like his game. I love watching him from an entertainment standpoint. But, you know, week to week to week to week, he just hasn't been someone who who has really lived up to, I guess, the, the reputation that, that maybe he has as someone who is, uh, is very dangerous um, or, or someone who's a consistent, consistent top 30 level player. Uh, I do think he's a top 30 player, but he needs to – I do think he might be a little bit overvalued in general. Talon Griegsport first round. Tough one. Early popcorn matches, Zverev versus Baez in round two. Again, one to watch. None of the round one matches really stuck out to me. I think that uh, it's a good test for Zverev, potentially. I know we just saw it, but uh, Baez still intrigues me. And I would uh I'd be interested to I'm interested to see that. Maybe even uh Alcaraz against Ramos Vinalas could be interesting. You know, that that's not a bad test for uh uh Alcaraz in round two as well, assuming uh Ramos Vinalas beats uh Kokonakis. So potentially the the top seeds in this quarter, you know, they they have very respectable round two matches that could be one to watch. With that being said, let's go to the quarterfinal matchup, and it is Carlos Alcaraz defeating Alexander Zverev. Obviously, this was an absolute blowout in the final of Madrid. I think it was 6-3, 6-1. Zverev didn't bring his best there, but even if Zverev does bring his best, I like Carlos Alcaraz in this matchup. Um, Man, I mean, just the drop shots alone. You know, we saw Holger Rune torment zverev with drop shots in munich we saw alcaraz torment zverev with drop shots in the final uh, it's such a good play against zverev and uh i i wouldn't be surprised if this becomes a bit of a matchup issue for uh for zverev for the time being because of the way alcaraz uses depth doesn't let zverev d up and drop back into defensive position because of the drop shot and um Let's see. You know, it would be, is Verev still looking for the first top 10 victory at a major? Um, does he have a chance to, no, he he wouldn't have a chance to get it before this quarterfinal. So I still don't think it happens at this event. Losing to Alcaraz in the quarterfinal. Stefano Sitsipas's quarter. He's the number four seed. He's with Rude, Hercoc, Shapovalov, Dimonor, Tiafo. Evans and Senego. Don't love this quarter. It's fine though. I guess. I'm not that high on rude at the moment. Um I am I, I I I really don't like that he played Geneva. You know, nobody else in the French Open power rankings played in Geneva, I mean, sorry, played last week, nobody else, nobody, not even anyone in the next four outs. So one out of the 14 players played last week or this week. And it was rude. I, I don't get it. So he's now played any, he, he made the semifinals in Rome. So he's now played eight matches in the last 12 days. Uh, when he plays on Monday, it'll be his ninth match. In 13 days. I mean, that just doesn't set him up for success to go deep at, at Roland Garros. I just I don't get the scheduling um, decision. I don't understand why he still plays so many clay 250s. And he just doesn't look right at, at the moment either. I don't really buy into... I thought he played well against Shapovalov in Rome, but... Um, he still has taken uh, too many bad losses in the clay court season. Just hasn't really looked quite the same. Um, has missed too much on his forehand. Uh, the final in Geneva against Zhao Sousa, uh, Sosa rather, was was too close. Probably shouldn't have been that close. He really struggled in that match. I'm just not feeling great about him. Um, Harkac is serving well. Uh, he's got issues on clay. Uh, that's for sure. Um, he can overcome them with his serving at times. Shapovalov, I, I I don't buy into the the run in Rome really, and and the win um, over Nadal. I still think he's showing a lot of the same bad habits with the poor shot selection, um, and the very yeah, just making too many unforced errors, making poor decisions on the court. I think those things are still happening. I think it really hurts on clay more than it does on any other surface. Um, Demonor is maximizing. Demonor's found something on clay. You know he's he's really uh, he's had trouble beating top guys, but he's been really consistent beating players ranked below him. That's for sure. Um, Tiafo's got an interesting clay court game. He can do some things. Evans has only had one clay court run, I think, in his entire career, which was in Monte Carlo last year. I don't take him very seriously. And then Senego uh, hasn't done much of anything in, in in a long time. So that's your rundown for the seeds. My uh, dark horse here is Holger Rune. Rune is uh, rising up the ranks very, very quickly. Also a first-time titleist a long time, uh, alongside Sebastian Baez um, in this clay court season. And, uh, I think Clay is his best surface with the way he is able to, uh, to, to use his forehand. It's an excellent forehand. He moves very well. He's, uh, he protects his backhand well. He's physical. Good groundstroke speed. Hard to poke holes in his game, honestly. He, he has a, a very solid all around game. And, uh, definitely among the young unse- unseated players here he's the player who uh, who stands out now I think he still has endurance issues. I mentioned after he he won the title in um, in Munich that the one thing that wasn't tested was his endurance because he beat everybody so badly well um, you know he was just just uh, just this week, in um, I think uh, in in Lyon he was playing a Frenchman in Manuel Guinard, who by the way I didn't mention he plays Cam Nori first round. That one could be fun too. Um, Guinard Guinard is like incredibly disrespectful. Just has no regard. I mean w- between him and the French crowd, it's like a it's like a college tennis match. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, Rune cramped. Rune cramped again. So I don't think that that issue is behind him. Um, So, you know, does that take him out of the running in best of five? It it very well could. Uh, I'm curious to see it, but uh, it's definitely. Yeah, he's definitely a, a dangerous player right now for for everyone for, you know, being an unseated. I'm trying to just find him in the draw so I can tell you guys who he plays. And I'm just not seeing him. Oh, he plays Shapovalov first round. Uh Shapovalov is my upset alert. It's not just because he's playing Rune. It's also just because I don't I don't trust him at the moment. And and Chapo can make can make you look very, very stupid uh when you make him upset alert. Because he can not only can he avoid an upset when he does. It's oftentimes he's overperforming and and making a semifinal or, or something like that, making you look very silly. Uh, but I'm I'm willing to take that risk here. Uh, Pedro Martinez awaits in the second round. Very very respectable clay court player. Probably would have been a, a decent candidate for uh, dark horse as well, alongside Holger Rune, um, D. Monor potentially there as well in in round three. Uh, I think that it's. Um, I think I think Chapo will will be in some danger here. My early popcorn match is Stefano Sitipas against Lorenzo Musetti. Um and also Casparut against Joe Wilfred Sanga. The first one, pass Musetti, it's more for the tennis itself. There are a lot of issues with Musetti's game. You know, he he's he's far from perfect, but he remains a very intriguing talent who can um who can do some really awesome things on the court and uh, I think we'll see a lot of a lot of pretty tennis and I'm I'm just interested to see how well he can play against C T Pass at a, at a tournament where he made round four last year and was two up two sets to love against uh, Novak Djokovic. My other early popcorn is Kasparut against Joe Wilfrid Sanga, not because I think it's gonna be close. In fact I think it's a, a very favorable round one match for uh for casper given the way sanga has been playing uh but it will be joe wilfred sanga's last match and um you know tune in because tune in and and, and soak it up he's been such a pleasure to watch throughout his career uh brings a great joy to the tennis court has brought a, an entertaining style a uh a pretty infectious personality, and um, has competed with with class from uh, from the very start, and has has reached some great heights as well. Um, so sad to see him go. Hopefully, he gets a, a tremendous send off. I'm sure he will from the crowd and from the tournament. And that is my other early popcorn match. Quarterfinal is Titi Pas defeating Hubert Hercotch. You may be surprised to see that uh, Herkach to the quarterfinal uh, as a prediction, and I, you know, I surprised myself too because I don't love Herkach on clay. Just given the the fact that he he struggles to to get to net on clay as as most players do, it's it's a little bit tougher just because the the approach shots tend to kind of sit there a little bit longer. It, it's easier to get past. It's harder to get your footing and your traction. At-net sometimes as well, so the movement can be tougher. Um, But if he plays Casper Rude, I I just think Rude has some serious issues on return, on the return of serve. And I think um, even though it's clay, I could see Herkoc... I could see Herkoc serving his way through that matchup. And coming in with the game plan of, you know, getting it to Rude's backhand and and coming forward, um, hopefully he would play that way. And I think if he did, he would have a chance. And I'm just, I'm just not feeling great about Casperude, who who still hasn't been to uh, round four, at this event. I, I do think he will get to round four. I think there's a it's a favorable draw, uh, with uh, Sanga first round, Rusevori Rusevori or Umber second round, and. Uh, I have Lorenzo Sinego third round. It's actually a great draw for Rude. Uh but yeah, I think Tiafo or maybe even Hercotch in round four. I, I think both of those players with their with with how well they serve and what they can bring to the table, I think they can seriously challenge Rude, who I'm just I'm not feeling uh, great about right now. Ultimately, though, of course, I have Stefano Citipas coming through. Um his path is uh, Musetti, and then I have Colar, uh, the qualifier, uh, Francisco Cerundolo, who I think will beat Dan Evans, um, then Demon Orr, who Titi Pass dominates in the head to head, and especially on Clay, uh, Demon wouldn't have, I wouldn't give him much of a chance, and then Hercotch, which would be a great quarterfinal for Titi Pass. So uh, it, it's an awesome draw. And then even if he plays Rude, um, I think uh Tsitsipas will be pretty confident. Let's go now to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. He's the number 2 seed. And he is with Rublev, Sinner, Karenio Busta, Chilich, and Ketsmanovic. This is uh Look, the seeds aren't that bad here if we're in terms of the depth. Um a lot of a lot of competence. Um, did I forget Tommy Paul? Why isn't Tommy Paul there? Tommy Paul is the 30th seed. I am sorry, Tommy. You, you should be on there. Um, I don't want to, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I'll go through him. I mean, you know, Sinner, Sinner has had a, a decent clay court season. He hasn't really been able to break through with any, with a lot of big wins, um, other than beating Rublev in Monte Carlo, which we, we could get a, remu- a, a rematch of that, which I'll get into shortly, Karimouni Boost is playing good tennis, but just can't. He's had a lot of nerve management issues, so I actually think he is vulnerable because I just don't trust him in close matches at the moment. Uh, Chilich is playing decently, but there's uh, a limit to what he can do on such a slow surface where he's kind of things are get a little bit physical on him, and he's. Dragged into more rallies, his serve doesn't work quite as well. And uh, Ketsmanovich, I'm you know, Ketsmanovich is is great and uh, breakout performer of 2022. He's played pretty well on the clay, and that's a a, a very strong lower seed. And Tommy Paul, Tommy Paul is pretty good on the on the clay, but he hasn't hasn't really done. Much to impress as of late. My dark horse here is actually Christian Garen. What, what a, what a turn of events here for Gareen because Gareen is kind of like my resident upset alert for the last like two years now. I, I feel like he's been a player who, uh, with the protected rankings points, especially he's been seated and he just hasn't been playing well. But uh, he thought about taking a break from the game, and I actually think he's finally playing with a, a little bit of freedom. Something changed mentally for him where I, I think he almost gave up on himself, and it kind of helped him. And he went on a run in Houston, and um, he's actually starting to to win a little bit more. Upsettler is Daniil Medvedev for, for obvious reasons. I mean, he just... Um, when it comes to the clay, he's going to need to be really the best version of himself when it comes to shot tolerance and fitness levels and he's probably just not there you know it's it's not going to come easy for him on the clay ever uh i i do think that his like i do think he's a good enough player to do what he did last year and make the quarterfinals of Roland Garros throughout the course of his career like, I, I don't think he's just going to be a player who is going to, and I said this last year before the tournament, um, and picked him to the quarters and got that got that right. I don't think he's going to pl- be a player throughout his career. He's just going to do terrible at Roland Garros. I don't think that's the case. But um, here in 2022, obvious pick for upset alert. A couple of tests here in terms of the draw, certainly. He's got Facundo Bagnus uh, pretty good on clay in round one. Lazlo Gera pretty good on clay in round two. And uh, Miomir Ketsmanovic is his round three, which is a, a very, very tough round three. I have Ketsmanovic taking him out um, in round three. That's my my prediction for Medvedev. And ultimately, I have Ketsmanovic going all the way to the quarterfinal. But I have Yannick Sinner beating him. As far as Ketsmanovic is concerned, um, his fourth round, I would have uh, him against Pablo Carreño Busta pretty uh, a bit of a weak section here with Karenia Busta and Marin Čilić uh but but I have PCB and again I am just not I'm not feeling good about the way Karenia Busta has been dealing with pressure recently and and that's why that's why I like Ketsmanovic there in the top half with Yannick Sinner you know it's kind of between him and Rublev and I have concerns overall with Yannick Sinner's record against top 10 players where he's he's pretty much been like a I think his win percentage is around 33 percent which is not great or it might be even closer to like 25 percent against top 10 players he it's just it's not very good uh Rublev has just been one of those guys who he actually is comfortable against he's beaten them both times they've played on clay Sinner won, uh, beat him in Monte Carlo. He beat him the, the year prior, I think, in, in Barcelona. Uh, he attacks Rublev's second serve well. He wins backhand to backhand. It's kind of two guys with the same style, kind of going, going toe-to-toe with the power baselining, lining, uh, with the kind of linear power. And Sinner uh, just tends to be really comfortable with uh, with the rhythm that that Rublev gives him and he protects his backhand side. You know, anyone who anyone who has a backhand that can be easily broken down has a really hard time against Rublev, just Sinner's not that guy. Uh I think it's a good matchup for Yannick. So while while I didn't really anticipate before the draw came out that I would have Yannick Sinner making the semifinals of Roland Garros, I, I do think that things have worked out for him with uh Rublev being really the only top 10 player who I feel really good about Sinner playing playing well against. And the fact that I do think, uh, you know, and, and the fact that the, the bottom half here is completely wide open and I have Ketsmanovic. uh Man, I I think Sinner will take advantage. By the way, he's been great at Roland Garros. He made the quarterfinals in his debut, in his main draw debut. And then he made the fourth round last year. So that also bodes well for Yannick Sinner. Which brings us to the final weekend, which I will reveal in three, two, one. Djokovic defeats Alcaraz in five sets. Pass defeats Sinner in three sets and Djokovic defeats Ttipas in four sets. Let me start with Novak Djokovic. Why'd I pick him? Why am I picking Djokovic? I guess as it came down to this, does it feel like it would be hard to imagine a player beating Nadal, Alcaraz, and Pass in back-to-back-to-back matches? It really does. That seems crazy. It seems like it could be too difficult. Uh, just knowing how things, you know, weird things happen, withdraws, how usually things don't play out as, as we expect, um, how you have uncertainty with Nadal's health, uncertainty with Alcaraz having never been in this position. Do I think Nadal will be fine? Yes. Do I think Alcaraz will be fine? Yes. But But you just don't know. Um, I'm just going to go with the player who I think is playing best right now, the best tennis in the world, and uh, that's Djokovic. I'm going to go with the player who I have no questions about mentally. I have no questions about physically. And while I do think that peak Nadal is a little bit too good for, for Djokovic at this tournament, I don't think he'll have to contend with that. I think Alcaraz... Um, will have a great chance. Uh, Alcaraz, as best, will have a great chance against Djokovic. Uh, that's why I have that as a five-setter. But I think it'll be a better version of Novak than what we saw in Madrid. In fact, I, know, I almost know it will be a better version of Novak than what we saw in Madrid. That was already incredibly tight. I think it'll help him to get out of the altitude, a little bit lower bouncing. Alcaraz's kick serve— uh, which was the the main determining factor in that match in Madrid. And I think uh, I'd be surprised if that would happen again to Novak. I think Djokovic is well-positioned to um, make Alcaraz play a lot of extra balls, really challenge his consistency, cover Carlos's drop shot probably better than almost anyone. Uh, Nadal covers drop shots really well um, also, but I think Djokovic uh does a great job of covering drop shots um and that's why uh and then you know with TT Pas I uh I think the the plan, you know, that that the game plan that Djokovic brings to the table against TT Pas is, is very clear and straightforward to him and I think he executes it pretty consistently and uh I I do think he's he's the better player in um in that scenario so I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I should cover here. Um, Pass has been really, really good against Sinner. Uh, Beat him in straights in Australia. Beat him in straights last week in Rome where I thought Sinner might have had a chance to to win and didn't. First set was a tiebreak, but still, straight sets. Um, so yeah, th- three sets in that for me, meaning I'm pretty confident picking pr- picking Titi And uh, yeah, as I said at the top, it's uh, it's it's strange with the what this draw has done. So let's see, let's see uh, how how much things break down in this event. It's going to be fascinating, I think. You know, Titi Pass might be more likely than anyone else to be in the final. Uh, Which is which is crazy to think because then you know maybe by probability, maybe by probability he's the safest pick. I don't know. Um, I'm going with Djokovic though. Rolling with him. I will have um, a lot of post match coverage throughout Roland Garros, um, and I'll I'll be doing some previews during the second week. Uh, Monday will be after play. I'll be recording. a a mailbag as is tradition first Monday of a major so make sure you keep it locked on that YouTube community tab and uh, check tomorrow or um, early on on Monday during play and uh, you can comment and we'll do a nice long Monday mailbag for the start of Roland Garros hope you enjoyed don't forget to subscribe I'll see you next time